single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Good morning.
Isn't he awesome? Did you guys have a good week with Jesus this week? Yeah? Did he meet you where you were? Some of you, a little bit. Sometimes he's kind of quiet. Other times he's very bold. We have a new song that we're going to introduce you guys this week <clears throat> called Graves into Gardens. Does anybody know that? Anybody know that song? It's a really good song, but I was reading, and I want to encourage you guys to read Ezekiel 37 this week. Remember the dry bones part? Well, I was getting into this, and it, listen to this. God was, you'll have to read it to, to get the whole full picture, but this part here, God told him to speak to these dead bones in the ground. So he says, suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together, and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Picture that. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. 
So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood up to their feet, a great army. Wow, that's amazing. So sometimes God's quiet in our lives, and other times he's big and bold. One of the, uh, I wanted to read this lyric to you. It says, you turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. It's just what we read. You turn seas into highways. What's that from? The Red Sea, Parton, turned it into a highway. That's pretty cool. You're the only one who can. He is the only one who can. That's pretty remarkable. Our God can do anything. Amen? He's good. So we're going to teach this one to you this morning. And just let you sit and soak and worship in it. Because he's pretty amazing. But it couldn't fill me. A man's empty grave, treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. Every desire.
one that can turn bones back into flesh. That's only you, Jesus. You're the only one that can do that. And we thank you for meeting us here, Lord. Lord, there's a lot of things going on in this world right now. We're back into masks again and uncomfortable with them. And, and Father, you still are the one that's in control of it all. We have nothing to fear in you, Jesus. We know you've given us a brain to be smart. And we want to be obedient to you. But, Lord, we also trust you. Above all other things, we know you're in control. And, Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. And we want to invite you in here this morning. You belong here. You are welcome here. We desire you to just move through us, Jesus. Help us get rid of the distractions, Lord. Some of us have had a really big morning already. So, Lord, calm our spirits. Calm us down. Let us, let us really get still to where we can hear you. And let us just give that sweet offering back to you and, and singing back to you praises and how you are so good to us, Lord. Father, we, we love you with all of our hearts. So take this, take this as an offering to you, Jesus. We love you.
you guys ever just kind of sat quietly and just waited on what God was going to do or you didn't have anything to say? How many people have not known what to pray? Or you just had a hard time. You couldn't even moan. Has anybody been to that point where you just couldn't even just kind of moan out of it? There's just been times in my life where I've sat there and I've wanted to pour myself out to him and I just couldn't do it. I didn't have the words. I didn't have anything coming out. And yet he sat there with me. He let me sit in that quiet awkwardness. And then all of a sudden I just felt this peace come down over me. And and he knew because he read my heart. He knew exactly what was going on. So he knows your heart. He's reading it. He knows what you need. And sometimes we fight that because we don't necessarily want what God has for us to walk sometimes but when we get to the end of those paths it's remarkable after he finishes what he's doing he paves that road for us
Every time I tried to make it on my own Every time I tried to stand it start to fall And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground when the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Every minute, every moment of where I've been or where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. For this man who needs amazing kind of grace, for forgiveness at a price I could pay. Perfect, so I thank God every day. There is Jesus in the way, in the searching, in the healing and the hurt, like the blessing buried in the broken pieces. for bringing us here, Lord, and thank you for allowing us to be who we are, for accepting us for who we are. Thanks for working with these pieces of clay that you keep putting back up on the potter's wheel. Lord, I pray that you'll mold us. I pray that you'll, you'll plant things in us from Pastor Matt today. I pray that you'll guard this space from anything that the enemy may have 
scheming. Lord, this is your place. We belong to you. This is your family, your children. So Lord, I ask you to move in and through us. I ask you to take this offering, Lord. And, and even though we had moments of, of just between us and you, Jesus, individually, that may just be hard. Lord, you take that and you move with it. Change us, Jesus. Don't let us remain the same. We want to be changed. We want to be more like you. And Lord, help us to be bold with your word. Help us to live by your word and not back down. But Lord, help us also walk in love and to speak it in love. And I pray, Jesus, for each person in this room, you know exactly where they're at, what they're going through. Some need healing, some need emotional healing, some need physical healing. Jesus, we know you can touch them, that you'll heal them at the perfect time, however that is that you see fit. But Lord, we trust you and we believe you. We know that you are God and that you take dry bones and you bring them back to life. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing here. And I pray that this morning will be a sweet time with you and that we'll smell your fragrance as you enter this room again. We love you. Thank you for all you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we have a video now. Is that correct, Scott? Yay. Hey, WLC kids. It's that... Mackenzie, I gotta say, that train has broken down up the railroad. You guys have got to get those kids to railway VBS some other way. I'm just sorry to say. Well, Engineer Cookie, that is a humdinger. What are we gonna do now? We can't get kids to VBS here at church. You know what? God's awesome. What we're gonna do instead is we're gonna actually do it online. Why not? So what we're going to end up doing is doing a virtual VBS over the website, our website, wlcchurch.com, and you're going to see in the main bar all the cool videos that the kids are going to get to watch. From there, we're actually going to make packets for them, really cool gifts, goodie bags, where they're going to be able to do their crafts, snacks, and everything from home. So let's check that information out. This is actually going to be Monday, July 27th through July 3rd. Within the packet, you're going to be getting your five different Bible buddies that you'll want to have during the week. And then from there, you're going to go on to the cool snack ideas that you can make at home. And then you're also going to have some really great craft ideas that will be in your packet, along with some games that you guys can play together as a family. So WLC kids, make sure and come get your packets anytime this coming week. Tuesday through Friday at the office, or I'll also have packets available on Sunday, July 26th as well. Feel free to take some for your neighbors, maybe for your cousins, and all have a great time doing VBS online together. See you next time. Well, that looks like fun. <laughs> What a great, great idea for us with our kids. It's good to see you today, church. Um, even behind your mask, I know. The nice thing for me is I just believe that there is big, smiling faces 
behind each one of those. Amen? <laughs> well, today, I, I want to uh, thank you. I know that this is not easy. Um, these times that we are finding ourselves in are just uh, unprecedented in many ways. But I want you to know that I appreciate uh, that you are working with us. Here's the thing I had to remind myself. We are a part of a global body in the, in the church. Uh, the kingdom is not just here in uh, Woodland Park. It is around the world. And there are people around the world who are risking their lives to worship our Lord and Savior. And I know that a mask is not easy, but I'm telling you folks, uh, we are bigger than this. Amen? We're bigger than this. So today, as we, uh, as we think about that, I want you to know, you wearing that mask helps me protect you. And, uh, and even part of what we needed to cancel the potluck this afternoon, and I love potlucks maybe a little more than I should, as you can probably already tell. But, uh, but uh, and we are certainly so grateful uh, for, the, uh, for you wanting to do a potluck for our welcome. But, uh, but given the climate and the situation that we find ourselves in now, I felt best that we just uh, postpone that. We will have a great potluck once again. Amen? It's going to be good, and we'll enjoy that together. Some wins that we have, some good things that have been happening, I want to share with you this week. We, we almost have the carpet completely finished in the parsonage, and I, you know, for me, that's just exciting. <laughs> and so it's been great to see. It looks really good. And so I don't know if Craig is here, Craig and, and uh, Brian and uh, Cyril, uh, they, anyway, thank them. They did a great job. And Craig, man, he is fast. When he gets going, it's just like, boom, uh, it keeps going. So uh, thank you uh, to all of you who helped paint over there. Uh, I know I'm going to be leaving some of you out, but I know that Jerry uh, Yoder and Cindy and Jim Rumsey and Larry and Jane King, and there's more. In fact, if, if there's any, who, if you helped with the parsonage in any way, uh, can you stand the stand right now? Thank you. Uh, I just want to thank you very much. Uh, it's good. Well, um, before I forget, uh, it, speaking of, I, we, we need to give of our tithes and our offerings too. Um, we are doing things a little bit differently. I, I, I assume that you guys, before this all happened, maybe passed pass plates or so forth, but I know that there are pay, plates in the back as well as you can go on to wlcchurch.com. You can pay your tithe there online as well as um, I know there's an app also, and I forget the name of it, it's like Church Central or something like that. Um, if you don't know, Andrew told me about it this morning. See him. He can get you there. But uh, those are places where we can give of our tithes and our offerings. And thank God for the provisions that he's given to us to keep the ministry moving forward. In a day like we find ourselves today with protests and, and destruction and, and violence, uh, there is a group of people that have been shouting uh, and, and clamoring and they're yelling and doing whatever they can in the name of what they're calling what they want a, a revolution. They desire a revolution to happen today. It's something, if you listen to the news or if you're uh, listening to them being interviewed, uh, it's hard for them to even define or articulate. 
It's not as simple as to end a war. It's not as simple maybe even as the cultural revolution that took place in the 60s. But uh, there is this desire for revolution. It's as if an undefined, unlimited source of anger has been tapped into. And you add in a pandemic, and you add in our current political divide, and we've got a powder keg on our hands. Amen. I, I think to myself, and as I, as I was approaching Scripture this week and approaching the sermon this week, how, what do I say, Lord, to your people today? I want you to, to know this. Not only what I shared earlier is so true that we are bigger than the times. These times, by the way, do not define us as the church. But I'm reminded also, as I was praying over this sermon, that love... Now, let me just define that real quick for you. Because our English language is actually a barbaric language. Um, I'm not trying to cut anything down or anything like that, but we just have one word for love. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I mean, I love hot dogs, and in the same sentence I can say, and I really love my wife. Now, I have two different categories there in my mind, um, <laughs> but, but it just comes out the same way. You know, I just, man, I love Denver Broncos, and that's great and all, but I also really, you know, I love God. Well, it sounds the same, but it's not. And so in the Greek, in, in what we read in our scripture in the original languages, there were all types of different words given for, to help us understand what type of love we're talking about. Everything from eros is a, more of a sexual and love to uh, you know, an understanding of agape love, which is godly love and brotherly love and philos. And, and we had all of these different things. But today, I want to tell you that God's love, agape love, which is not weak and it's not this lame, just limp noodle type of thing. It's furious, and I'm telling you it is strong. That love conquers all. And so when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is what God just kind of brought upon my, my mind, is I'm praying, Lord, what do I say to your people? I want you to understand that this love is not... This type of just kind of, you know, just do whatever type of thing. This is a strong, fierce love from our Lord. It says this in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Let me tell you, that's no weak kind of love. That's tough love. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. And most importantly, love never fails. I'm, God's love never will fail us. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But again, love never fails. I am so thankful that God's love is given to us 
And it says in 1 John 4, 8, that if we possess this love, this love of God, this agape love, that that love within us actually casts out all fear. I will do this out of respect because I read in Titus, you know, if we remember in, in Titus, Paul's talking to him there, and he says to him, he says, remind the people to be subject to the rulers and to the authorities, to be obedient, to be, to be ready to do whatever is good. And I, and I agree with Paul, and I do this out of respect, but I want you to know, I'm not afraid of dying. Now, I'm not looking forward to the process. <laughs> but I'm not afraid because I know what comes next. But while I'm here on earth, I'm given a mission, and so are you. It's given clearly by the Lord. The world is crying out for a revolution, and I agree, we need a revolution. We need an agape love, sanctified, reviving move of the Spirit revolution in our world. And here's where it starts. It starts right here with us, church. It starts right here with you and I. And the good news today is this power is available to us. Only one revolution has never ended. Think about that with me. Only one revolution has never ended, church. All others have come and gone, but our revolution started 2,000 years ago, and it is still happening today here and around the world. We see revolutions happening in people's heart all the time where their own selfish desires are toppled, and Jesus begins to become first. As a matter of fact, I think maybe we might even see a revolution today. Sanctification. It's a revolution of your heart. It's a relentless quest for God to take over your whole heart. It's this understanding that, you know, if there is any area in your life that has not been given over to the control of our Lord Jesus Christ, he wants it. And our God is a jealous God, and he will be sure, he will be sure to purify you if you give it all to him. It's this process of going from just as I am, Lord, which we've been there, right? Just as I am, to I surrender all. It's the power that Jesus revealed in the words, go and sin no more, to the, word, to the woman who was caught in adultery. The perfect love of Jesus cast out all fear as she laid before her accusers. We need an agape love revolution. So you may ask, well, pastor, I understand that and I hear you and I believe in the Holy Spirit's power to cleanse me. I believe that he can give me the power to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. But how? I, I, how does that happen? How, do, how does that work? And I read in First Thessalonians, it says in verse 3 of chapter 4, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, I just want you to understand, by the way, that this is another word that we've just... Uh, it's been thrown around in so many different ways, and we have different words for sanctified. There's holiness, which, by the way, this, this word in the original languages, it comes from the same word that we get holiness, uh, hagios. But, but here's the deal, is that sanctification, uh, no matter how you want to say it, entire sanctification, holiness, perfect love, love made perfect. There's so many ways. It is simply this. It's nothing more or nothing less than your heart being in total abandonment to Jesus Christ 
in all that you do and all that you say. It's a revolution in your heart. But it says there that you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your body that is in a way that is holy and it is honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And in, that, in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So I, I, you may ask then, okay, I, I hear this. But whose job is spiritual growth? Whose job is it for spiritual growth to happen inside of me? Psychologists will say that one of the primary causes of conflict within our our homes and our households and marriages involves a dispute of what is called generally the division of labor. There was once a bride who wanted to disguise the fact that they were on their honeymoon and they were getting ready to go onto the plane. And she said to their husband while they were boarding, she says, is there any way that we can make it appear that we've been married for a long time? And the husband said, sure, here, you carry the suitcases. (laughs) The division of labor causes problems in marriage. If the bed goes unmade, if the dishes go unwashed, if the diaper goes unchanged, who is responsible for getting the job done? And many of our households have not had a calm, rational discussion about who is best equipped to take out the garbage or take the kids to school. And in the end, lots of things don't get done because each person in the relationship thinks that the other person is or should be responsible for it. But today, as we're talking about this understanding of sanctification, of holiness, which is related again to that word holy, the, the gospel, of course, is not that just that when we die, we go to heaven. The gospel is that we get to live the life of God today here on the earth, and we are God's kingdom now and today together. God's plan is that his image in us, which is marred by the fall, should be restored in all of its beauty and all of its glory. Sanctification will take place for us, church. Now you may say, well, I've heard this word once before when you talk about sanctification, about being perfect. You know, there's a portion of Scripture where Ma- in Matthew 5 where Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I can't be perfect. I want you to just understand how that word is understood and defined in Scripture. There is a chair that you are sitting on, and I want to tell you that that chair that you're sitting on right now is perfect. And you're going to tell me, no, it's not. I looked at that chair before the lights went down, and here's the deal. I saw a coffee stain on it. There's a little rip over here. Um, there's some rust happening on the leg over here on this side. No, it doesn't matter. That chair is perfect. What do you mean? That chair is doing what it was created to do. It's holding you up, isn't it? Nobody fell down. It's doing exactly what it was created to do. And I want to tell you, when it speaks about being perfect in Scripture, in this regards, in this relationship, it is talking about this. Are you doing what God has created you to do? Here's the point of what that is meant to say, is that Jesus tells us 
that our mission is to love God, excuse me, yes, is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I'm going to tell you, for all of your stains and all of your scars and all of the things that have marred your past, I'm telling you this, is you are falling in love with God and coming in line with that mission. You are becoming perfect. Oh, but I have this in my past. I have this addiction. I have this issue that is hurting me or this thing that I'm struggling with. I understand, but you are being made perfect if you have given all to that mission. Do you hear what I'm saying? The gospel is not just, well, get saved and and then die and go to heaven. The gospel is this. You are called to be more like Jesus every day. You're called to be more like Christ every day. When John Wesley was asked, what is this thing, holiness? What is this sanctification thing that you're talking about? He would simply answer this way. He would say, this is holiness, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we can get on so many other distractions, and I, some people will say to me, well, pastor, I really love prophecy, and I really love this, and I really love that. Could you preach more about this, or could you preach more about that? And I agree, I, those things are fun, to, you know, things to go down, the roads to go down, but I'm going to tell you that once I get this, once I get this understanding where I have loved the Lord my God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbors myself, then I'll spend all of my time on prophecy, Okay? But I haven't quite gotten there yet, have you? (laughs) Well, for many of us, there's this confusion of labor when it comes to this idea of holiness. Is it God's job? Is it my job? And some Christians have taken the position that, you know what, well, sanctification, that's God's job. I can't do anything at all. And they look at Romans chapter 7, which I call the do-do chapter, and it just says there, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, that's what I do do. And so he goes on and he keeps saying, but who will save me from this wretched man that I am? At the end of the chapter, oh, thanks be to Jesus Christ, my Lord. But some will say, well, I object to any sacrifice or, or costly following because, you know, that's opposed to grace. But let me simply say to you right here and now that I am not a legalistic person, but I know that I can do nothing but for the grace of God. As a matter of fact, sanctification is a sanctifying grace just as the salvation that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. But here's what I want to say to you, that sacrifice surrender and obedience is not equal to legalism let me say that again sacrifice surrender and obedience to our lord jesus christ is not equal to legalism on the other hand some christians will take this marine type of uh, approach to the spiritual life and they feel like you know what i it's going to get done i'm going to have to do it myself god's job is to make sure he's holy it's my job to make sure i'm holy and and we have these rambo christians that are determined to make themselves holy but when that happens the church becomes a place of contest where we can see who's the most holy who's you know memorized the most verses who is witness to the most people who has the most regular quiet time and those are all good things but that checklist mentality actually begins to kill the spirit of love joy peace and patience within us 
So whose job is this thing called sanctification? Whose job is it to bring about the revolution of my heart? Philippians 2 tells us here, it says, whoops, it says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God's will at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Listen, first Paul says, work out your own salvation, which means your role is very important in this. He goes on to say, for it is God who is at work in you. Do you see the both sides here? Work out your own salvation, for it is God who is at work in you. You are not doing this project on your own. Holiness is empowered by God, and it's impossible without him. When Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he does not mean that you should work out your salvation with this sense of anxiety or feeling like, oh man, God's just going to squash me at any minute. That's not the case at all. Instead, Paul uses this phrase to refer to the humble attitude of dependence that you and I should have. He's suggesting that we have a role to play, but we don't control it. Some things we can control. We can control making a phone call. We can control driving a car. We can control running an errand. Uh, but some things we can do nothing about, like the weather. Only God can control the weather. But, but there's this third category. Think about going to sleep. You can't make yourself go to sleep the way you can just make a phone call and push a button. But you can get into a dark room. You can lay down on a soft bed. You can turn out the lights. And eventually, hopefully, sleep will come. Think about the difference between a motorboat and a sailboat. In the motorboat, I'm in control. I start the engine, I control the speed, I go wherever I want to go. But sailing is different. When I'm sailing, I'm not passive. I have a role to play. I hoist the sails and I, and I steer the rudder. I remember as a young kid and I was growing up in Maryland and on the Chesapeake Bay at a place called Havity Grass, Maryland. We, just, we, we were there and we would just go, we had friends who had a sailboat and it was amazing. He would put up the, the sail and, and for a moment nothing was happening. But he would let go and I don't know what all the things were called, but he would move different ropes and next thing I know the sail had turned a certain way and it had just kind of billowed, just got huge with wind and the next thing you know we're going out to the bay he hoisted the sails the guy who owned that sailboat he steered the rudder but he was utterly dependent on the wind are you hearing me there's no room for believing i'm in control because if the wind doesn't blow, guess what? I'm dead in the water. And when the wind blows, on the other hand, amazing things happen. Jesus says in 1 John 3, 8, he says, The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Sometimes we wonder, man, I, I, I mean, again, I, I didn't see myself six months being blown to Woodland Park, Colorado. But I had a choice in the midst of it. I had to pray. I had to ask, Lord, even though I, 
I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. Lord, what would you have me to do? And I put up the sail. And I let the Spirit take me where the Spirit wanted me to go. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, which we can also understand as holiness, the Spirit of God is, is understood as His holy wind. Uh, the breath of God. It's powerful. It's mysterious. It's not about coming up with a program or predictable results we control. On the other hand, we're not passive, though, either. Our job is to discern where the wind of the Spirit is blowing and to know how to catch it. This week, I, I had a situation where um, an individual came onto the property, and I had been told that there is a geocaching place on our property, and, and I... I'd forgotten about it, but this individual had gotten out of their car. They were the only one. I was uh, coming over before anybody had come over to the church. And, uh, and here she was, and you could tell she was just, she just kind of was bent over, and, and something wasn't right. And, and I, so I said hi to her. I said, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. There's a, I'm just geocaching. I said, oh, okay. And uh, I said, well, I hope you have a good day. I said, I know where it's at. I said, someone to you. She said, don't tell me. I don't, I'm going to try to figure it out. I said, okay. And then I tried to engage her a little bit more, and she said, as I noticed that she was just, just, something just didn't seem right, and I just felt like the Spirit was telling me, you just need to keep talking to this individual. She finally opened up to me, and she said, my husband died a year ago today. And I said, I'm sorry. And she said, I know. And she, she said, I'm sad. She said, but we used to love to go geocaching together. And she said, so I'm doing this in my husband's honor. And I told her, I said, you know, I, I don't know if this is okay with you, but I'll pray with you and I'll, I'll pray for you. Oh, yeah, that would be great. And, and I said, hey, you know, you're, you're always welcome here. And, and I, I just want you to know that God loves you. Now here's the thing, it's just a simple thing, but I was, I was actually, my wind was blowing me to these doors. I have things to do. I'm getting over here early because there's things I got to have, I, I need to take care of before Mackenzie gets in here because she's going to start telling me what to do then. And, uh, you know. And, <laughs> and, but it went, but here's, this is my time, Lord. I need to get in here. And, but the Spirit begins to blow us in different directions. And we are showing our holiness in the Lord when we say yes to the Spirit and no to what we want. In verse 13, Paul claims, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this, thing I want, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward toward what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that just takes me to this. I want you to know, for those of us who, who are Christians, that sanctification is not optional. It's not optional. The first critical truth is this, it's not optional. If sanctification for the follower of Jesus Christ, it's just normal. It just happens. It's part of what we are. If you are growing in Christ, if you are becoming less like, or excuse me, more like Jesus and less like whoever you are, fill your name in the blank, then you are in this process of sanctification, whether you know it or not. <laughs> Paul says he may get a lot of things wrong, but this one thing he does get, sanctification. He presses on towards it. We may make a lot of mistakes along the way, and we may have a lot of things, that, but this one thing we do, 
sanctification. We become holy. It seems so difficult to become holy. And when we hear some of the things and some of the stories that we're told, it seems like I used to think when I was a kid, the only way that I would ever be holy is if I was at least 70 years old. You know, by the time I get 70, then may I be... Now, 70 doesn't look so old to me anymore. But now, but back then, it looked really old. And then I think, well, you know what? I, if, once I get then, I just, I'm not going to sin anymore because I was told that, you know, this idea of sanctification, this idea of, of, of holiness was that I just never could sin anymore. Oh, let me tell you, nothing's further from the truth. You could give your heart completely, fully to the Lord. You could say, yeah, I'm entirely sanctified. Guess what? You better stay on your guard and watch your humility meter <laughs> because anybody can sin it's not the power to say we're not you know, made divine here on earth it's the power to say no to sin and yes to jesus and here's the thing is when it comes to sin which we believe is a willful transgression a willful action against a known law of god when it comes to that we can say no to the sin and yes to Jesus because of the spirit that lives within us. I don't believe that Jesus was just kind of toying with the lady who was in John chapter 8, who was caught in adultery, and they threw her in front of him, and he took care of all of her accusers, and then he said to her, now go and sin no more. I don't think he was just toying with her. Sometimes it does seem difficult, though. It seems to take so long, and we're tempted to think that this sanctification is something that maybe we can just take or leave. But Paul in Romans chapter 12, he says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul suggests that if you're not being transformed by God's renewing power, then you are being conformed to the forces opposed to God. Here's the thing, is you are having a revolution in your heart, whether you believe it or not. The question is this, is who is forming you spiritually? Who is bringing about this revolution in your heart? And by by whom will, it be, will you be formed? If you're not being formed by God, there is a spiritual adversary who we call Satan, the evil one, who will be happy to do the task for you. We live in a world that deforms people spiritually. That's why the church is so important, because it's our job to point them to Jesus, who brings us back to who we were called to be in Christ. Sanctification is God's will for our lives. We read it there in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. Paul writes, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. And then in Hebrews 12.14, it goes on to say, so pursue peace with everyone and holiness, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I used to read that portion of scripture, and I mean, I just kind of, oh, I yeah, just scare me i'm like okay so if i'm not perfectly holy then i'm, I'm not going to make it i'm just not going to and one day i'm praying about over this portion of scripture i remember years ago and and i sense god revealing matt holiness is not just about you it's not just about you i want people in your community. I want the people in your church. I want the people that you rub shoulders with that don't know me. I want them to see me. And guess what, Matt? If you're not living a holy life, they're not going to see me. Without holiness, no one will see 
the Lord. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. You are called to be Jesus to the people around you. Every one of you know at least 8 to 15 people, I believe, that don't know Jesus. And they are looking for an example. And without holiness, without you being made Christ-like, how else are they going to see Jesus? Are you hearing me? I'm going to ask you this morning to do a devotion check. Are you pursuing spiritual growth with full resolve? I mean, people will make all kinds of excuses, but are you pursuing it? Here's the thing. There was a day before I knew Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And here's the great thing about our Lord and Savior. I believe that you can probably remember that day for yourself as well, when you were living just for you. It didn't care about the Lord before you were saved. But Jesus was pursuing you. Every moment, every day, Jesus was pursuing you. Listen, when Paul was going around killing Christians in God's name, Jesus was pursuing Paul. And for some reason, once Paul was, was taken by this power of the Holy Spirit. And once he came to know the Lord as his Savior, he believed, for some crazy reason, that Jesus was then worth pursuing for the rest of his life. You see, Jesus had been pursuing Paul for all these years, and now Paul believed, you know what? I believe that Jesus is worth everything. I, I'm, to throw it all down, it doesn't matter about anything else anymore. I believe that this Jesus is worth pursuing the rest of my life. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? My whole life has been a, a succession of just the Lord chipping away at me. And there's things that have always just kind of gotten in the way and things where I thought, well, you know what, I'd, yeah, Jesus, you're, you can have every room of my heart, but this one area, um, I'm having a little fun there right now. Could you just step back for a bit? Are you there? <laughs> You've probably been there, if not. Um, God keeps chipping away. And I'm having to get and having, having to got to a place in my life where I have to believe that no matter what, no matter if you like me, and by the way, I, I want you to like me. Yeah, I, I hope you do. But, but if, if, whether you like me or not, though, he's worth whatever it is. I'm getting off on rabbit trails. Those are good ones. Second thing is this. Sanctification, it's a process. It's... it's it's not just an event. I mean, there were times when we were like, when we have that moment where I knew that there was a time in my life where there was something I was holding back and I came to that crossroads in my life and I said, God, that is yours and I'm not doing it anymore and God sanctified me. But it's not just a one-time event. It is a process. It's progressive. Think about a time when you took a long vacation with your kids. What's the first question that they ask? I mean, Kennedy still asks this question. Yeah, I mean, we just go to Chick-fil-A, and when are we going to get there? <laughs> I do the same thing, by the way, sometimes. Some people will be at an elevator, 
probably, you, you've probably seen this, and we're not riding elevators much anymore because, you know, I guess we can't social distance in them. But anyway, but used to, when you, these things called elevators, and you would be standing there, and you, people would push the button, and it didn't open, the door didn't open. So I've literally watched people just stand there and do, 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 as if, if you push that thing a hundred times, somehow they believe that that elevator is going to say to itself, that guy on the fourth floor really wants me to come to him. He's in a big hurry. I better skip all the other floors and get right down there to him. We are in this instant gratification society. But here's the thing. Sanctification doesn't just happen that way. It is a process. Paul says, am I there yet? Not yet. Not today. Not tomorrow. But this one thing I do, and I don't give up. I just keep after it. In the pursuit of sanctification, you will fail. But what do we do when we're serious about pursuing this holiness life and we slip into bad behavior? Paul says this. He says, I deal with it and I forget what is behind. We tend to think of forgetting as a bad thing and it's and something that we shouldn't do, but forgetting is indispensable to our sanctification. You need to learn to ask the Holy Spirit, will you just help me to forget yesterday's mistakes and sin and guilt and disappointment? Help me to learn whatever I need to learn from it. Help me not to do it again, but I don't want to be shackled by the chains of yesterday's regrets. So Paul says, therefore, I forget what's behind. Sometimes, and I guarantee you, you will slip. And the danger is that you're going to get discouraged and you're going to give up. But Paul encourages us to keep moving forward. Don't give up. Next, I want you to know that sanctification is empowered by God. If we are sailboats, God is the one who supplies the wind. And when we talk about transformation, Paul has a strong tendency to use a certain grammatical form. He uses an imperative, which is like this. Stop. That's an imperative. So there's another form called a passive voice, and, and, and that's when you, something happens to you. It's when you get hit by a truck or when you get struck by an illness. That's passive. But we are, when we are talking about transformation, I want you to know that Paul uses what we call a passive imperative. If you looked at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may, may discern what is the will of God. It is an imperative, but he does not say transform yourself. Instead, he says, be transformed. Where are the winds of the Spirit blowing in your life? Where and how is God at work in you? What sin is God seeking to to free you from in your life? There's a few ways to discern this, but one way is by asking the question, God, how are you seeking to transform me in this moment? When you're in the under 10 items checkout lane at Walmart and someone in front of you is mathematically challenged... God, how can you use this moment to help train me in patience? (laughs) Instead of, God, help that dumb person in front of me to get a grip. (laughs) It's about you being changed and revolutionized. 
this entire business of learning to rely on the Holy Spirit from, as our counselor from moment to moment to tell him everything. It's challenging, but God is using it to breathe breath, to breathe new life, to breathe a revolution inside of us. And some of you may need to ask some mature people in our room and in our church, you know, what is it maybe that you might see in me that needs to change? And then devote yourself to seeing that happen in your life. Well, next is this. Pursue sanctification for the sake of others. I talked to you already about this a little bit when I talked about holiness. And, and without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But, but I'm telling you, there's a real danger in pursuing spiritual growth because it can become individualistic. The scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day thought of themselves as a very holy group of people, but they didn't love anyone except for themselves. They were too absorbed with what they were doing, with how much they had accomplished. And the New Testament never defines, defines spirituality or holiness or sanctification in solely individualistic terms. It's defined in terms of community. In Philippians 2.14, Paul writes, Do all things without murmuring or arguing. In other words, as the community matures, this is what you'll find. No grumbling. No arguing, just grateful hearts. Bitterness and resentment will be replaced by a community of servanthood. But unfortunately, we've all known churches where people are growing more cantankerous and bitter, and yet they're thought of as holy people. Paul defines sanctification in a context of community, and it's important that we understand this. If we don't, the pursuit of spiritual growth can get distorted in a way that makes it all about me. We can get preoccupied with how well we're performing spiritually and how well we are fulfilling what we think we need to fulfill. And we forget to live a life of servanthood and love. When that happens, we begin to say things like, how do we get rid of so-and-so? Instead of how do we help and encourage that individual to become more like Jesus? The goal of sanctification in a single word is love. Love, revolution in your heart. Yet sometimes people become too sanctimonious. And I want you to tell you this this morning, that there is a huge difference between being sanctified and being sanctimonious. Let me say that again. There's a huge difference between being sanctified and being sanctimonious. Yet we can get that mixed up. Remember what John Wesley said. Holiness is simply this. Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. I read a story about a man who has deep wounds that still affect him in many ways. This was in Christianity Today. He had virtually no father growing up. His mom was a difficult person. She married five different men. None of them, those marriages lasted very long. She had little time for him. She never encouraged him. She never pushed him in any direction except for away from her. And he's a grown man now, and several years ago, his mother developed a degenerative muscular disease and gradually 
lost almost every physical capacity. None of her children, because they'd been treated in the same way, would have anything to do with her. They just wanted to put her in the government's care, let them take care of her. Not one of the men whom she had married over all those years ever acknowledged what she was going through. But this man, her son, however, decided to love her. He took her into his home. He cared for her. He fed her by hand. He combed her hair. He cleaned up after her messes. And a friend of his came into his home and he observed all that she could do was just sit there and cry and moan incessantly. That's all she did. And he wondered, he said, how can he stand this? He said, I've been given blessings in greater ways than this guy and I don't know if I could love like this. And when his mother died, 16 people came to her funeral. Not all of her kids came. None of the men who she married came. But her son who chose to love her was there. And on a little toy tape recorder that he had saved from when he was a little boy, he played a tape of his mom that he had kept for all of his life. She was singing a Christmas carol. And he talked about how she loved Christmas and how when he was a kid he used to play the guitar and then she would sing with him. He didn't talk about the hurt. He didn't talk about the pain. He tried to lift up what he could in his mother. He didn't love her perfectly, not by a long shot, but he loved her when loving was hardest. He loved her when no one else would love. And he remembered her with kind words. And I'm going to tell you, that's what sanctification looks like in our relationships. Who loves like that? God loves like that. God loved me when I was hardest to love. God has been sanctifying me even when at times I just fell so miserably. And that's no small thing. It's not some type of spiritual self-improvement project. And it's not some type of optional equipment. This is God's destiny for you. God's intent is to sanctify you so that you can die to yourself and love as God loves. Paul puts it like this. He says, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm going to tell you, church, God is still in the revolution business and he's revolutionizing hearts every day. And he can take whatever ashes are around you or whatever ashes are in your heart. Even as a Christian, that area where you just were like, it's dark, it's lonely back there. I don't want to deal with that. I I don't want to forgive. I don't want to take care of this issue. And I'm telling you, God can make it into a beautiful, beautiful thing. Watch this with me before we close.
tell you that I've seen that happen in the church. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when sanctification comes upon God's people. And he takes the old and it's gone and he brings the new and it's beautiful. God is still making beautiful things today. Amen? And I'm telling you that every person, even every person that's today maybe protesting right now, they have a story that God can revolutionize. Every person was worth God pursuing. And in holiness, we will pursue them too. Amen?
close with this. A girl named Amy. I did uh, addiction at the addiction treatment center with her. I came together and I did a devotion. And the first day I met Amy, she's sitting at a chair and she's up against the wall. And she's looking at the wall. She just looks behind her in the wall and she begins just touching the wall. And she's seeing things that nobody else is seeing. It was her first day there at the treatment center. And I'm preaching Jesus, and I'm telling them about his love for them and how he can change them. And I'm thinking with Amy, there's no way, any way, there's no way she's going to change. She didn't hear a thing that I said. And guess what? That next Sunday, just three days later, she's in the church. And I'll make it short and sweet. But two weeks after that, she comes up to me, and Amy's changed. And we've been talking, and, and she had at the treatment center, she said, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something, that in that church, I believe even today, she'll be sitting right there, and the, there's a row, three rows. going. Out. She would be the second row behind, and she would be singing and praising Jesus, jumping up and down with her hands, because she realizes what a mess she was, and what a huge gulf it had to take, what a huge bridge that had to be built to bring her to where she is today. She is so thankful. And guess what? Immediately, without me telling her, she began teaching other people about Jesus and bringing them. They're sitting right there with her. I'm t- that's holiness, folks. That's the power that we possess. We possess that power. So today, maybe you felt like there's something inside of me that I just haven't wanted to deal with. I haven't, wanted to, I haven't wanted to give this over to the Lord. I, I, there's been unforgiveness. There's been, there's been greed. There's been all these types of different. But I'm ready today because I want to let go of the old and grab on to this thing called sanctification. I want to pursue it with all that I have. Maybe you'd like to come to this altar today and just lay it down. And I want to tell you, at least as long as I'm here, There will be no shame in the altar. Only victory in the altar. There's no shame here. As a matter of fact, this is a place of great, just great revolution. (laughs) I've seen great revolutions happen at the altar. Nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. Maybe you'd want to come forward as we pray. Maybe you're just not wanting to come forward and you're just like, I'm just going to take care of this right here with the Lord, but I'm going to tell you someday God's going to want you to testify and share your story with someone. Might as well start now. But let's stand together. Let's close in prayer. And I just believe in this group that God is speaking to someone. Or maybe he's speaking to you about someone that you've been working with. Maybe you need to place their name on this altar. I don't know what it is. But if you're feeling compelled by the Spirit, not by me, then I ask that you would come forward to the altar today. Lord, we thank you. 
And we thank you, God, for making your gospel so clear, for helping us, Lord, to understand that you are wanting us to move from the moment that we come to know you to pursue you with all that we are. We thank you, God, that this thing that we call holiness, that it's not just an option, Lord, that you have said to us, you want us to be Christ-like in all that we do, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. And God, we say thanks for giving us the power to do this because we can't do it on our own so lord we're putting up our sails today and we're asking you god to fill our sails with the wind the power of the holy spirit to move us in directions that we never thought we could move before to take us to people that we never thought we could talk to before to help in the process of seeing people come to know you as our Lord and Savior. Help us, Lord, to bring people one step closer to you, and may it never be that we push them one step farther away. Lord, we pray these things not for our sake, but for your sake, God. We pray these things because we want to be more like you. And so today, we just come here before you, and we don't care who's standing next to us or in front of us or behind us. Lord, we're just laying whatever it is down. And we're asking you, God, will you take control and make something beautiful out of that ugliness in my past? Help us to be a holy people so that people can see you, Jesus. We pray these things, God, in your name. And we don't pray these things lightly. We don't pray these things in vain. We pray them in your name, knowing that you are strong enough and powerful enough to fulfill all that you have stated for us. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? I tell you what. I am thankful that we are here in the, in the presence of God. Aren't you glad that he's our leader? Amen. Amen. Well, in closing, I want to say to you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. You are dismissed in the love of our Lord today. Amen. Weak and wounded sinner Lost and left to die Raise your head for love is passing by Come to Jesus Come to Jesus, come to Jesus and live. Now your burden's lifted and carried far away. And precious blood has washed away the stain. So sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus. Sing to Jesus and live. And like
like a newborn baby. Don't be afraid to crawl. And remember when you walk, sometimes we fall. So fall on Jesus. Fall on Jesus. Fall on Jesus. And live. Sometimes the way is lonely. Steep and filled with pain. So if your sky is dark and pours the rain, then cry to Jesus. Cry to Jesus. Cry to Jesus. And oh, and when the love spills over. And music fills the night, and when you can't contain your joy inside, then dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus, and live. And with your final heartbeat. Kiss the world goodbye. Go in peace and laugh on glory's side. And fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus. And live. Fly to Jesus. Jesus, fly to Jesus.